0: a city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow, where dancers cavort in forbidden operas, making love to forgetting and flame, where the wealthy play at war with silver swords and silken sashes, where the people mind the dead heart of a burning star for cannonballs and pipework, and where a thousand secrets hide in a forest of paper and ink. Here, the five keybearers reside, the five who know the secrets of the broken gates of death. Five, five only, there is no sixth spire, forlorn and forgotten in the desert. There is no one who looks to the displaced, the poor and destitute and landless, whose ancestry has been stripped from them by foreign looms and foreign sparcraft, And no one has ever heard of the House of Endings. But this is their story. Their roots pulled up and burned, they stand in filth up to their necks. And that is precisely why they must keep their heads ever high. Welcome to Uduasha, immigrant. May it fear the name of the house you will build. Welcome to Desperate to Tune, an actual play podcast about characters with their identities in peril, played by an international cast devoted to fiction-first gaming, collaborative world-building, and complex character drama. Welcome to the second season of Desperate Tune, called The House of Endings. I'm Prince, I'm taking over the host role from Tree for this second season. And uh, to all our new listeners, a brief explanation of what this podcast is about. If you played Blades in the Dark, you're probably familiar with this, but a lot of our listeners aren't. So here's a brief overview of our story and setting. So, Desperate Tune is an actual play podcast of Blades in the Dark, a role-playing game by John Harper. It's set in a dark fantasy world of dystopian capitalism in which the rich fight each other over scraps while the world is, eh, well, it's dying. Um, so basically 19th century Britain trying to cope with a massive climate crisis is kind of the vibe of the setting. The sun is in embers in a steel gray sky. Uh, the wilderness is a vast desert full of ghosts and monsters. It's not fun to be there. It's barely inhabitable. And uh, humanity is huddling in cities trying to sustain itself using electricity, which is called electroplasm, in most of the cities in the setting. But our story is set in Uduasha, which is a city built around a fallen star, protecting the citizens from ghosts and other dangers. And uh, yeah, there's a big mirror that uses the star to channel light to everyone, as there isn't much light in the sky. And we have made our own version of Uduasha, uh, a labor of love. Inspired by cities of South Asia and set in a nation called Eruvia, which is a loose collection of city-states brought together by the pressures of the Akorosi Empire, which would like to colonize the Iruvian states, but it hasn't quite succeeded. So this is how we're interpreting the Eruvia part of the setting for our game. And uh, if you want to know more about the game itself, you can check it out. It's called Blades in the Dark, but just as a casual uh, listener... Uh, When we roll dice, sixes mean a success, four or five mean a success, but with some consequence. And one to three generally means that things go very, very wrong, especially if the roll is desperate, which is why we are called desperate attune. And uh, when we talk about devil's bargains, that means accepting a bargain to make success more likely. So I think that's, if you're not familiar with the game, that's a brief introduction to the rules, just to make sense of what we'll be talking about. Season two is called The House of Endings, and it will focus on a group of immigrants from the city of Kethris fleeing their homes and arriving in Uduasha, which is the largest, wealthiest and oldest of the Eruvian cities. But what precisely this means for the identity of the characters, we will play to find out. And so, uh, yeah, I'm Prince. I am not South Asian, but uh, I have been entrusted with this story. I'm from Sweden. And I go by he, him pronouns. And with me are the players, starting with uh, Tree. Hello, Tree. Greetings,
1: salutations, and good morning to those people who are listening to this in the morning. I have been informed that all of our hellos need to be as deranged as possible. So let me tell you, you better buckle up. Um, I'm Tri, uh, that's how many people on the internet know me. Uh, people who know me in real life also know me as Somitri. I am a person, I was gonna. I was thinking what profession should I attribute to myself, and I realized that were, it's tricky. Um, I'm from South Asia, I'm in fact from South India. Uh, I live in a city called Hyderabad, and I go by any pronouns, I don't really Pronions do not work for me anyway, so you may as well do what you like. Um, I design, run games in uh, this system that we're playing now, uh, which is called Forge in the Dark, but also other systems. Um, my other, The other thing that I do um, is that I make and sell clothes. Uh It is unlikely that by the time you listen to this that I will have made any clothes for you to buy. However. When that changes, I will absolutely shill it on this podcast, because marketing is very important.
2: I like how your intro kind of implies that your profession is South Asian.
0: Yes. I also I a professional like... South Asian. Yes. I also like how you exclaim pronouns don't work on me as if you're a comic book villain from the 50s. <laughs> 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 ah, Pronouns don't work on me. Uh, all right. Moving on to uh, Emma. Hello, Emma
3: hello my name is emma also known as emma um i am uh, (laughs) i am a writer i uh, use she her pronouns i'm from the netherlands Um, my instinct is to say and i am playing this and that character but uh, the fact is that i don't know what I'm playing yet because we are uh, going to see us playing a new Fortunate Dark System called Session Zero, where you play to find out who you are playing. Uh, <laughs> which, is, which is a lie. And uh, the way that I have turned what seemed to be a very normal introduction into the, a, deranged, a deranged introduction anyway.
1: One must only be in awe. Of the, the the skill that it takes. Like wow.
0: <laughs> I think you have perfectly introduced yourself by being meta deranged. That is something
2: <laughs> I think you also you implied that you use she her pronouns from the Netherlands.
1: Yes.
3: Only say her for an
0: okay, excellent. <laughs> Uh you you're doing good on the on the introduction so far. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Ariat, you want to go next? Uh, no. Okay. him! <laughs> <laughs> compelling, compelling. Uh,
4: well, but, but if I must, um uh-huh. yeah, um I'm uh, I'm Ariat, uh also known as Soap. I use uh, he him pronouns. I'm from Bangladesh, um and should I say anything else? And uh, no, I think that covers everything. That is, yeah, that you need to know about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: Are they
1: just proving how, uh, how non deranged we can be if we so choose?
0: Yes. So that everyone yes. knows this is an <laughs> active uh-huh. choice. Yes. Excellent. Uh, and uh, finally, Chloe. My name is Zohb. I'm from
2: Bangladesh, but I live in the Norway and uh, I can't no, do this no, anymore. I'm no, sorry.
1: What, um,
0: what, what what that accent even?
1: That was that was Zoheb's really terrible Italian accent that he once <laughs> used and then made that entire one shot about Italians. Okay,
0: okay. Uh-huh. So Princess you are not
2: Italian. Me. No, I'm not Italian.
1: Uh-huh. He's as uh-huh. Italian as Augustus Khan is French. Okay. I am yes.
2: reflecting on my failings as I say uh-huh. I'm not Italian. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> okay, so we have established your nationality is not Italian. Go on. Yes,
2: I am Bangladeshi. Uh, I am, I, well, I am an academic by profession. Um, I have been living in various countries in Europe. Currently, I'm living in Norway, uh, where I will probably be living for the foreseeable future. And let's see what else. Aside from being an academic, I'm also a writer, occasional game designer, occasional artist, this and that. Uh, I edit this podcast alongside Prince um and yeah I think that's about it really am I missing anything that anyone would consider a crucial piece of information
1: uh your name I don't think you said it out loud I think I called you it
2: I'm sure I did uh, I but I said it in Italian so perhaps it did not scan yeah my name is Zohib
0: uh-huh good good all right uh our so so that's us that's our crew Uh, Those of you who are with us from Season 1, thank you for being with us from Season 1. Those of you who are new, thank you for being new. Nailed it. Um... (laughs) Thank you for being new, guys. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Thank Mm. you for being with us. Um, Yeah. yeah. So today we are going to talk a little bit about what we are going to play in the House of Endings. And what we have established is that we are not going to be playing Udwashan natives this time. We are going to be playing refugees from Ketris. And... uh, The story of Kethris is, I think we basically decided this, that uh, you were farmers, and uh, then the rent and taxes were to pay, and uh, you couldn't redeem them. And so you got kicked out as Kethris modernized under your old landlords.
1: Sorry, um, are we meant to be able to redeem rent? Is that, have I been Uh doing it
0: wrong all this time? Uh Yes. I mean, pay them off. You could use redeem in that sense. It's it's one of those weird words oh! that can be Okay, anyway. yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Go on. yeah. Yes. Uh, the
2: redemption of rent.
0: Yes, the redemption mm. of rent. Anyway. Yes. Um Yeah, you know, you, you had landlords, they chased you out. And... Rent redemption. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, And yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bond yeah. between you is not necessarily being family, as in our last season. The bond between you is being... From roughly the same place, which may mean your family, and I think chloe you had some idea of like what ties the crew together is that you will have the same surname, but it's just kind of one of those like everyone from the village has this surname. Mm -hmm. So you know, as Mm -hmm. uh, as say I don't know Da Vinci, but yeah, not Italian as we have established. So yes, indeed. (laughs) I propose the surname be Ankatam.
1: Oh man, Ankatam. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, uh, wow, holy shit, the energy there is a lot. Katam um, is, uh, of course, the uh, the word for ending in uh, many Indian languages. I suspect mm. the root is Sanskrit, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, oh, no, actually, the root may be Arabic for Katam. Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I take it back. Uh, so I guess we are on Katam. Uh, uncut them, of course, in my accent sounds like the opposite of ending, because you're you just put an in 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 front of a word. So, so that's also quite funny. Um, well, like every ending a. contains a beginning.
0: Yes, so, indeed. Yeah, yeah.
2: So it's an as in and anexus, yes. and so on.
0: Yeah, yes. uh, this being the prefix for the demon houses of Uduasha. For those who are not familiar, the demon houses Uduasha, there are five of them, or maybe there are six of them, and they all have names yes. starting with an. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, I'm with you. This makes uh, perfect Indeed.
0: sense. Uncut katam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, let's discuss a little bit about what sort of vibes we want for this campaign and what sort of vibes we want for our characters. So um, this is going to be uh, a story of like, we are cleaving more to the traditional blades oh. in the dark formula here of of our characters are poor, And need money badly. I think that's true from the outset. And we will not be playing with your arrival to Udasha. Because the game assumes that you have a little bit of connections. That you have laid down a little bit of roots. Mm -hmm. But we will probably pick up our story where you're still relatively, you know, fresh in the city. We haven't discussed it. But I assume that we are going to set this in Bundervest. Since that is the immigrant district of the city. But uh, maybe it will be some other district. We'll see. Pans out. but that's that's sort of been my thinking right
4: yeah i was thinking that as well but mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm flexible
0: yeah i like bunda Vest,
1: um mostly because so there is a farming district in udawasha right but we are not mm-hmm. from udawasha no. um so i think it's an interesting tension to kind of like have that where it's like there are already people here who are very like local to the place making food you know fishing farming agriculture all of this stuff
0: uh, and we are not them. So, yeah, their land, not yours. So, yeah, exactly.
1: Like, some bureaucrat may have like said something like, Oh, we can just put them in Gili Gili uh-huh. which is the farming yeah. district. And that bureaucrat summarily was, you know, exiled to uh, the end of nowhere. I don't know why mm-hmm. that is in Aruvia, but they were sent yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, most farmers care about owning their land. So, yes, yeah, indeed. And do not yeah. appreciate it. Uh, we also yeah. really cared about owning our land, yes, you also did.
1: We still own it, ok. Yeah. I refuse to accept anyone who says we don't own it. Um, yeah. We should probably even though. I don't know if we talk about times. it today,
2: but like we yeah. should talk about, like, you know what exactly is the nature of our disposition? Like what happened? And yeah. how do the Uduwashan elites figure into the story? because mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of being pissed off at them as well. Mm-hmm. But we yes, can talk about
3: I that. But I'm also like really curious about and this. Is a somewhat different thing. Is what is a farm in this world?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah, especially a rural farm.
4: I, yeah. kept, I was thinking yeah, rice paddies yeah. because that's what I'm used to. But it could be something else. I no, have some but ideas also, there. like,
3: There's no sun.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> outside <laughs> the
0: cities, there's no there sun. So mm-hmm? we haven't oh, established a lot. Of,
3: yeah, we haven't
0: established a lot about Catheris, which. Uh, it's probably yeah. like, how do the C solve this, right? Okay, yeah. okay.
4: Yeah. LG Paddies, yes, yeah.
2: Ah. Also, there it's. I mean, your vision, your vision of this can vary, but usually, like in the book, at least it says that there is a little bit of sun, like mm-hmm. the shards of the sun, and so on. So, uh, I don't know how much that. Um, interacts with agriculture in a realistic sense, but it's not necessarily the case that it's like plunged in total darkness, you know?
0: Yeah, it's also the case that Iruvia has volcanic soil, so it's much more fertile than yes. other places okay. in the Shattered Isles. Oh, yeah.
1: That is important.
3: Yeah. Yep.
1: Sorry, Emma. You were...
3: I do think the, the original Plates in the Dark book does heavily imply that uh, there is enough there is not enough sun for like our world's farming to go on without mm-hmm. uh, without problems. Like there is a lot of growing mushrooms in your basement and making plants that emit their own light so that other plants can grow by it.
1: Yeah, I uh, agree. With I that. think I, I think this is partially why I was thinking also that like something like fishing would just like naturally come up. Uh, because um, hopefully the fish have solved the problem of how to live with that sunlight. So if we just eat them, um, then um, maybe we don't have to worry too much.
3: I've got
4: an idea for how to get light. If Eruvia uh, is a volcanically active place maybe there are cracks in the ground like elsewhere like Uduasha is a dormant uh, volcano but it could be like cracks in the ground with uh, lava flows and such and you use the light from that to grow your plants.
0: We
4: use lava light?
0: I Uh, I have a crazy idea for maybe another way that the Keterisi farming works which is maybe the rice paddies have a symbiosis with some sort of natural bioluminescent thing that you know you guys have just grown up around like yeah. bioluminescent trees or something yeah. Jesus.
1: yeah yeah i think we should have both
2: bioluminescent yes of course we shouldn't choose
1: yeah <laughs> we should have both are you kidding yeah. me? um because oh, yeah. like the thing is the bioluminescent trees go grow best on the volcanic soil of Catharus. yeah uh and i feel uh, like probably like you know we've got a um We do have our uh, seeds and we're trying, we could try and grow them here, but it's just not working in the same way, right?
4: When Prince said uh, bioluminescent trees, I was uh, the the, immediately what I thought of was a mangrove forest with bioluminescent mangrove, and in the water, you're also growing uh, like you're growing rice in the water as well.
3: So, yeah, it is extremely cool. Yeah, I love it. Okay. How about this yeah. for a pitch? So forget the
4: lava. It's, mm-hmm. We we are you know that's why we're in Bundervest now, like near the water. It reminds mm-hmm. us of home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. How's this for a pitch? Um, and we can repeat it for three. tree. Well, inspect. So Getris is important because this sort of like ecosystem is not the standard for Europe. It's very special, yeah. and that's why it was important enough to concentrate a large agricultural community in Ketris. However, it's not just the tenant farmers and so on who just kind of like own the land and so on. It's, it's been consolidated by a sort of like <laughs> aristocracy. They call themselves the gentlemen, which recalls Bangladesh's like, well, Bengal's like Bhadralok society, which literally means gentlemen, which essentially were landlords and so on, and like the respectable yeah. upper class. Um, And the gentleman kind of like, of course, like largely left agriculture up to the farmers who would just do the agriculture and just give them their fairly exorbitant share of it. But like, I guess there was actually a fair bit more autonomy, but perhaps what really changed over time was the introduction of like radiant energy. Because yeah, I mean, technically one doesn't need radiant energy with all this that we have in Qataris. But radiant energy definitely one improves the productivity of food. And two, it also very conveniently kind of like removes the need for like farmers who have like a lot of like tradition, a lot of like experience and so on with traditional farming methods. You can just replace all of that with technology and like, you know, fairly precarious labor.
0: Yeah. So So. you got dispossessed by mechanized farming, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we need some spicy addition for like how that is also Uduasha's
0: fault, somehow. Yeah. It was obviously sponsored by Uduasha. Uduasha has a project of turning Eruvia into a nation, like from a yeah. collection of nation states. And so I think that what they did was a very classic maneuver. They, they sold very generously this farming equipment to the gentlemen of Ketris. And uh, you know, they sold it uh, on a very generous uh, buy now, pay later deal. And now the gentlemen are basically all indebted to the to the great houses of Uduasha, which is why, obviously, they had to adapt. It's, first they got more productive, Ooh. and then it was time to pay back, and then they had to fire people because, you know, now they can't afford all these tenant farmers anymore.
1: I hate this. This is great.
0: Yeah. yeah. Economics, the darkest art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah.
2: And where does radiant energy come from? It comes from Ekoros. Yeah. So... The mm-hmm. Are the noble houses in Uduasha also fucking themselves over? Yes, a little bit. That's That makes it even more
0: wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They probably are, but you know, they funded this, and yeah, uh, cool. when you fund something you expect a return on investment. Oh,
4: so, Prince, yeah. oh, sorry. Could you uh, repeat why we're pissed off at Uduasha again?
0: Yeah, okay. the so Uduasha uh, basically, like, the technology is from Akaros, but it's expensive. Okay. And the Uduasha and Great Houses were like, very generously, like, we're going to fund this for Ketris, for the Ketrisy gentleman class and was like we'll we'll buy all this equipment for us and you just have to pay us later and then when pay later came up, came about many of the landowners could no longer afford their ten- tenant farmers like first they got more efficient and then that efficiency became mandatory and so you know
4: oh yes
0: yeah the the gentleman class are being squeezed from above as well so it's not directly mm. their fault maybe even your mm. landlord Was apologetic about this you know like i can't afford to keep you on my property anymore i'm sorry about that (laughs) Mm -hmm. or you know i like that i like that yeah yeah. that's good it's
2: probably house annexes to be honest i can't because that's another thing you know like the noble house is doing it but like there are five noble houses and they're very different yeah sounds like a house annexes scheme
0: yeah so uh sure thing house annexes have been doing this like Mm -hmm. lending shenanigans And the best part of it being House Enixus,
2: which is the house of secrecy and trickery and deceit, is that it's not official that they're the ones, right? They're the ones who set it all up. We just assume it is. It probably is. But, like, that's just their memo. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All you really know is that the gentlemen in Ketherys are suddenly indebted to the upper classes in Uduasha. Who Mm -hmm. exactly is behind that? It's probably House Enixus, but, you know. Yeah.
3: One of the upper uh, classes probably has a nexus.
0: Yeah, it probably is via yeah. the Uduashan bank, even the Majesty bank, which is nice. located yeah. in Pasarhantu. So, you know, you know, even which specific bank put you out of business because okay. they're the guys yes. who gave this generous business loan to your landlord. And then the landlord couldn't repay the generous business loan. Yep. So
1: um, yeah. some very nice men from the Majesty bank offered to help our landlord to kick us out because, you know. Yeah. Obviously, the landlord didn't want to do it and they charge a very reasonable mm-hmm. sum for the service.
3: Yeah. And as a bonus uh, a b- a bonus for this uh, particular world building feature, it also gives us a very obvious score to run at some yeah. point.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Yes. yes. You're not wrong. Uh, absolutely.
3: Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Is it also a Blades in the Dark thing that radiant energy also comes from, uh, like, Basically, genetically engineered trees, or is that a, a gentleman basis thing? I uh, think it
1: is a blade thing. In that, there are radiant energy plants that generate that, like light, because they are fed from like some kind of electroplasm. Um, but basically, you should definitely not eat them. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you should use them for light, and then eat the plants that are like using that light to grow. But if you eat the radiant plants, bad things will happen to you. Because while oil yeah. in yeah. our world is dinosaur, like oh, dead dinosaurs. In in this world, it's dead, dead people and ghosts do actually exist. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it just
3: gives Maybe. me like because they're because we have glowing trees that are a little bit like radiant energy trees. It gives me this image of uh, yeah, the, Maybe. the natural. Like mangroves being replaced by uh, like radiant energy monocultures.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, maybe really the good. maybe the reason why the mangroves uh, glow and also are connected to your families is they are literally your ancestors. Like when people oh, in Ketris die, oh. they bond with the land. But you know, nice. bonded ancestors are much less efficient than just imported enslaved ghosts. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah. my god. Because this sounds really
1: good, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh.
2: this really has to tie because this ties in with another idea of like you know how like we're outside the lightning barriers in Catris. Mm-hmm. we are outside the udu. so, but like it's okay because these are our ancestors, yes, okay. So they're a little bit scary sometimes, but like, yeah, why would our ancestors hurt us?
0: yeah, you obviously, you must venerate the trees. The trees can be vengeful. If the trees are disrespectful, they can or if you disrespect the trees, they will do terrible things, to you? But they also do protect you, so... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah oh, so this hundreds... is why
1: the fishing works here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right, absolutely. like... So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have a literal bond with the land going back generations, and when you die, it's a big deal that you become part of the farm in a very yeah. literal sense, like your ghost guards yeah. it against hostile ghosts. Hell yeah!
1: So, so, so when, when you know your dog dies, and someone says, "Oh, you know, it's living in a nice farm upstate." In this mm-hmm. case, it's yes. literally doing that. right? It literally yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Or, well, it was until mechanized until... farming uprooted the 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 mangrove yes. trees. Uh, very good. So that establishes uh, a little bit about the home that we have lost, mm. which is these. Yeah, I imagine there are forests there as well, since I think, Emma, your concept was a character who is from the forest. Maybe you were from the literal forest. I think that adds an extra sadness to it.
3: Yes, it, it works very well. It uh, yeah. You a lot of like,
1: layers of ideas to who this could be. I also like the idea that, like you know, in Earth they say the deathlands are like, we imagine them as like vast howling desert. Right, mm-hmm. and in Eryuria we imagine that again—it's a desert that we're imagining, right? Yeah. But in this case, somehow, I don't know if it rains here, but regardless of whether it does rain or not, the, there is greenery, right? Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, Kentris yeah. may be like it. It may look to an outsider like forlorn swamps, but it's more alive. Yes, you know. Yeah. I imagine it still is just because the world is generally dark and bleak. It's probably still, you know, haunting, foreboding mangrove more than it's like, you know, oh, yeah, a beautiful sure. sunny meadow. But yeah, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it's home it was... and it's alive and it has much yeah. more character.
1: Yeah. If it was an island paradise, then uh, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be Catharus, right? It would just be yeah. a tourist resort for Richmond. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mangroves yeah. at night are spooky as fuck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I believe yeah. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe this. Excellent. So this is your home, this uh, mm. this mangrove area. Was our home. Was your home.
1: No, it's still our home. Just because we're not, yeah, just because we're not there anymore.
0: I uh-huh. feel like this is an
1: important debate, right? Like, are we yeah. still like yearning to go back, or have we accepted that like it's never going to happen? Mm. I think that's very tricky.
0: Um, yeah. No. You see, they promised you jobs in Uduasha, where you could yeah. make money. You could even get rich, and maybe some yeah. of you believed that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
1: there's definitely a couple of people who are like, "We're gonna make that money, and then we're gonna go home. We're gonna buy that land back."
2: Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we live in Bundervest in the goddamn hospitality ghetto. Yes. What a nice mm-hmm.
1: thing. I, I gotta say, like, terrible. Like, I mean, absolutely. What that would actually be cool, right? Like, awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And so, I know that some of you have like character concepts. Well, all of you have character concepts on a vague state. But Mm -hmm. are we ready to move on to talk a little bit about who we'll be playing as individuals? Having established, like, where do we come from?
2: Uh, We could do that. Or should we start with what kind of crew is this? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, maybe that's a better idea. Like, Mm -hmm. not do the full crew creation, but what kind of crew?
1: So. I was thinking Bravos makes sense for us in, in in terms of we are a group of people who are comfortable with violence and comfortable with enacting it in order to achieve our goals. Right. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. that's kind of like seemed the most natural. Uh, and I also, I know we were discussing or I, I know that uh, Zohev like mentioned vigilantes, but I don't. I don't want the sense of, well, we're actually doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. I want that to be like
0: ambiguous. Yeah. The,
1: yeah exactly.
0: yeah. Bravos mm-hmm. is a strong option. I feel like it could be Bravos. It could also be hawkers uh, or smugglers or maybe shadows. but Bravos is certainly the obvious choice. Bravos being uh, just for people who are not familiar with blades, Bravos being your your crew of people who rely on ass kicking as their as yeah. their means of getting by. <laughs> Yeah.
3: yeah. If it's if it's bravo's, I immediately wonder if we became more prominent and like more main charactery as soon as the 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 original the school of the rising moon was uh, started falling apart.
0: Yes. Yeah, which is which has fallen apart because its leader Ramu the golden has has died, which happened in uh, season one, and I think probably. Yeah, probably it is not the case that uh, that you were necessarily tied to Ramu the Golden. I don't imagine that you are formally trained in Uduasha's Rising Moons school. It's just that you come from the same place as where yep. it was invented. And it's based on kind of the same fighting techniques that that you know people had in Kethris, which historically were, you know, sometimes farmers need to defend themselves against bandits or whatnot. And that's where yep. these fighting styles came from. Yeah,
1: makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I also think that like, um, because the vast majority of those people like died, uh, so did the identity in many ways of that school, right? Mm-hmm. So there's also the sense of opportunism in that now we just we could redefine that in whatever mm-hmm. way we find politically convenient. Um, and I kind of like I like that in that it again, it's ambiguous, right? It could be. We are picking up the banner of something that was broken in Uduasha in order to rebuild it even stronger. Or it could be, hey, here's a convenient symbol that we can repurpose in order to, like, make some quick catch.
0: Yeah. Um. Absolutely. It. Uh, this is something we will find out in play, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. It sounds like everyone is on board with, with bravos. Does anyone want to veto this idea? Or are we going with, we are, you know. We are violent people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll do that. Yeah, uh, I think the does only... not mean that does not mean that every solution will be solved with violence, but it does signal that our characters are at least to some extent people capable of violence when <laughs> when need be. Yeah, yeah, I think with Bravos the
2: only thing that I have is like well, I suppose this could apply to any kind of cool type, really. It's like what is the ethos? What is the purpose? Like you know. The end kind of like organizing concept, I suppose, and we can find that out through play. But I wouldn't mind like a little bit of like discussion already. Uh, I think yes. Yeah. Go ahead. No. Go on.
3: Go ahead. Okay.
4: Well, I was yes. saying that I I guess the the ethos is more like kind of um just a product of what what our situation is, which is that we have come to this town, which and it's. Again, um, like in a part of town that is uh, dangerous, and I think that like if we're doing anything, like you know, we we might have started off as we were just trying to make ends meet with like uh, taking on uh, some shady jobs, but like we soon learned that okay, like we we need to be able to protect ourselves against other gangs, and then like that kind of becomes. Our thing, like it's yeah. it's more of just like necessity to like being able to fight like, and at what point like you know because we don't know the town very well, right? So it's mm-hmm. hard for us to be other things like like yeah. violence is kind of like the only thing you know how to do, like what you can default to and do. But I don't know, if, yeah. like, but you know, I don't know if that's like a very interesting.
0: I, I think it works. Thing. I also want to throw yeah. out that you are you are the the people capable of violence in your little community. Yeah. But- you are not the only people in your community, right? So there's probably yeah. been plenty of, you know, in in the backstory of this crew before they become proper scoundrels, proper heroes. There's probably plenty of just like you know, some guy gets robbed or picked on or yeah, whatnot, and you guys have to step in and be like, give that back.
4: You know, yeah.
0: the people yeah. people trample all over your friends and family, and someone's got to stand up for them.
4: Yeah. Does that yeah. make us more vigilantes, though? Well, I like I the idea. She, the
3: basic like the archetypal vibe of most bravo crews is that they're the protection money guys yeah Um, yeah that's also like not only do they protect themselves but they are also like at least nominally or officially Mm -hmm. the people protecting and shaping order in their little neighborhood yeah Um, And and whether that is true or not that's is kind of yeah question you can explore but i think we that's a question we can explore in the story itself
0: yeah as a bravos crew absolutely and i mean a theme of blades in the dark tends to be that you very seldom escape the cycles of power you yeah exactly and i think that like
1: um something i want to add to that is that like uh we didn't really i didn't really bother with this but in this group, I think. Oh, sorry, in this game, having a ward boss demand money constantly, yeah, yes, um, is also like an important like reason that we are doing this, right? Like, yeah. the reason why the protection money guys is that actually there's another protection money guy demanding money from us so he can protect us from other bigger protection money guys,
4: right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is this is how the crowded gang districts work. Too, in that you know, you see yourself as like we are protecting our people, but to everyone else, you're just a bunch of violent bastards. <laughs> yes, is... exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So who are yeah. warp This guy, this is a quote from the Bundarbest uh, mm-hmm. district write up Soldar S- S- Basran.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Sardar, a warlord of Falcon Perch, elected for life by the Farisi and answerable only to the noble houses of Uduasha. Do you think this he is terrible. your landlord?
2: Indirectly, yeah,
0: yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you don't go see him and pay him directly, but there are there are people coming by and mm. uh, extracting yeah. money from you for all yeah. the kind hospitality that Uduasha provides. Mm-hmm.
2: Especially if we are a gang of fighters, and this is basically the armed police, as it were.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Pay pay a little money for them to look aside. Mm. The kind of thing.
1: Yep. But also, you know, make sure, like, this is very much like The Godfather in that when his daughter gets married, you send him gifts, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. um, when he uh, falls ill, you don't okay. get to go see him, but you better show up in his house, you know, to be like, oh my God, I hope he's okay. Um, that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the important thing here is that his tags are old, decadent, and brooding. If it yeah. were upstanding, military man, loyal, uh, I think this would mm. be a very different relationship and
0: he would not be a word boss. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. So we have yeah. this this old guy who commands the local police, who demands protection from money from you. Yeah, local military
2: police? slash police. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. All right. Now I think we are ready to get to the characters then. If we have yeah.
2: that sense of. So. Uh, briefly, I'll touch back on um, what kind of crew we are. So like the reason I suggested Vigilantes is that, to my mind, it's like if we were Vigilantes, we would be basically Bravos who are Vigilantes. And if we are Bravos, we are basically Bravos who are Vigilantes. So it's kind of like neither of them are like we are the good guys. But it's like more like we feel like we are, to an extent. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I yeah, think Bravo so, is, Bravos is just yeah. easier. Better, Yes, It I also agree. puts the focus more traditionally on money. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, mostly vigilantes is less about money, and I think it makes sense that you guys care a lot about money, particularly if some in your community, maybe none of the player characters, but definitely people in the community, are like, we just need to make a lot of money so we can go buy our land back. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah I,
4: yeah. I th- I think, yeah, also from the protection standpoint, like, uh, I guess, like, in, there's the, the angle of physically protecting our community, but also mm-hmm. there's the angle of, okay, we need to make money so that we can have. People in our community, like I don't know, I like have medical supplies. Yeah. Send kids to school, you know, whatever it is, yeah. right? So I'm sure we, 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 we feel like we're noble even when we are trampling on someone else.
2: Yeah. You know, the other thing we need to do, <laughs> and the and why we need to kick ass, there's a bunch of fucking farmers in this district, and we need
1: that land.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. a very different vibe, though. Is that what we're going for? Because that makes a, you know, like.
1: Yeah. I think no no, I think what it should be is there should be one person on the crew aggressively saying, We can't just sit around here.
0: Yeah. We'll, we will find out I think yeah. Yeah. precisely yeah, what the yeah. goals of the crew are, I think they can differ. But the idea for now is, you know, you need money for the community. Maybe you want money so that you can buy your old land back. Maybe some of you dream of buying slash acquiring new land. But you know, I think it's clear, that, at least at the start of this, that you would love to be farmers again. Yeah. We also just know as, as we are telling this story, we know that that is probably not going to happen. <laughs> it is. yeah, But oh, we will yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm on okay. board. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a bit about our characters then. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Chloe, uh, Bolobir. Yes. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
3: uh,
2: yes. I am playing Bidruhi. Who is that? Is literally his name. It means rebel in Bengali. So is the title of an amazing poem by Kazi Nazrul Um national poet of Bangladesh. Sorry, um, if we
1: are um, if we are actually going into discussing characters, I would like us also to mention that Prince gave us homework, which I presume we all did, um, and that oh, yes. as a result of doing homework, we should mention why and how some of our decisions are like being shaped
0: by that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Everyone has been given a poem and uh, in this case it's it's the poem bidrohi which is also the name of the character yes Mm -hmm. because it's a perfectly
2: good name uh hmm. so the way i'm actually imagining him is so i've been thinking back and forth on like what kind of person i want to play and i thought about you know kind of like a um like a bit of like a pablo Escobar level kind of crime figure who like you know kind of like the man of the people of his Area sort of thing, Um, but actually a brutal crime lord, um, perhaps someone who's like a rebel organizer. I thought about those archetypes, but like I think what I was really, really drawn to at the end of the day was playing a duelist, which is a playbook I wrote and which I've messed around a little bit in like some one shots and so on, but I've never actually played a full campaign as a duelist and I've always wanted to. And since we talked about playing the sword school, I figured this would be the perfect. Time. So I'm imagining Bidrohi um, as a fairly sort of archetypical idea of like the kind of person that I imagined when I was writing the duelist, like very brash, uh, a, a handsome young man, uh, brash, bold, uh, daring. Doesn't take. Doesn't really give a shit. Um, enjoys the finer things in life. Um, likes showing off his skills uh, in swordsmanship. Um, very much a lover and a fighter. I think both things are integral to how he seems sees himself. And I think the interesting thing about him is that he's going to be I don't think so depending on how long it's been since like the Ketrisi have been displaced um and they've been living in like large numbers in Uduasha, I think it's entirely possible he has been born and raised entirely in Uduasha. He's never even seen these like ancestral mangrove trees and all those things that they. Maybe some of the other characters really have yeah. um, deep emotional ties to. Uduasha is his city; he's a city guy, and he—it's not—he—he he sees like how his people are treated, and it of course bothers him very much because it kind of like I guess selfishly it kind of like stops him from accessing the sort of life that he wants. But like you know, it's more about here and now. We have to build our lives here. Um, and he—I think, I think I like the idea. Of him having been Ramu's disciple, like mm. everyone who's a dualist um, who wants to like become a it's very much like based in like um South Asian like sort of martial arts traditions. You have your, um you have your guru, uh, and it's in and it's like a deeply devoted like sort of like relationship, and Ramu's gone. So who's going to teach him now? Who's going to take care of people? Um maybe Bidrohi is good enough to. Kind of stand in step into Ramos's shoes himself, who knows, even though he's like nineteen or some shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. we'll see.
0: So I imagine that your family was among the earlier waves to be expelled from Ketris then since yes. a yeah. lot of the other people are are newer. But, you know, not everyone got got displaced at once, right? So,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, I was yeah. thinking that it's uh it's an ongoing thing, right With, which explains why uh, Zeb's character it has, you know, like it. Their family was displaced at least, you know, nineteen years ago. While my character has only just come into Uluwasha, like I, I guess some farmers were more um, stubborn in moving than others,
1: and some yeah, landlords yeah. are like were less efficient about kicking people out than others. Also, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, exactly. But makes sense. Two, two things here,
2: which is so I think a character like this will definitely have family. Um, I don't know what the nature of that would be, whether or not it's going to be entirely NPCs or someone wants to, I don't know, play a parent of mine or something. I'm perfectly open to those relationships, depending on what you guys are thinking. But I think it's definitely going to be a situation where like there's gonna be some kicking against like traditional boundaries, like perhaps I don't know, maybe his parents want him to assuming they're NPCs, want him to keep his head down, or like perhaps his parents want him to really focus on like traditional Catrice culture, but he's all about, you know. He's making his own thing that's yep. one dynamic i'm perfectly so yeah I- invitation to be my family as it were uh, yep. once more um the second thing is that i see this guy as like a romantic in like the fullest sense of the word like you know high ideals and all that but also like i think it's very easy to play like this sort of like um romance kind of slightly sex-based character in like a sort of like oh like he'll he'll have sex with anyone uh you can he has like, no real loyalties and all that, um, that kind of archetype. But in fact, I kind of like the idea of like him really believing like in high romantic ideals and maybe he's like looking for his one true love. Uh, mm-hmm. So his vice is lovers, uh, and I've oh. just left a question mark there because I don't yeah. know if he starts the game with a lover or not. But I think that's going to be very important to his arc. Yep. And I like the idea of his pursuit of love actually. Involving quite heavily people that he that are not in his social class
0: yeah um i I have a suggestion for this, but why yes. are you not avenging ramu because I think avenging Ramu is not where we want this story to go, mm-hmm. so like why yeah. are you and the other disciples seeing his death as you know tragic but not not something to avenge?
2: I think it's because the reason ramu was my teacher was because he was the one who was willing he, he was the guy it's not like there's tons of other sword masters that are open for the k3c in fact i think there's like two sword schools in udwasha right there's the yeah. falling star the red sashes as it were in the main blade scheme and they're like elitist as fuck, mm-hmm. right no k3c is ever going to get in there yeah and so if you're interested in sword fighting like the elegant art of it not just like you know shivs in the dark right Late in the Dark. Um, Haha,
1: say what he uh, did. That. Yeah, Sorry, ha go ha ha,
2: ha ha. Yes, Ramu was the guy, right? Yeah. Maybe he invented the rising moon style. I don't know, right? So I had to go to him, but like he was also a fucking asshole. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so I'm like, OK, uh, you're an asshole. You got yourself killed pointlessly. Like, what the fuck was that about? Every, almost everyone died? No, no, no. This yeah. means that, yes, I have taken what I need from you, and now I can do better. Mm-hmm. kind of vibe.
0: Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. All right. Um very good. Uh Ariat, do you want to go next with yeah, your sure. uh and your poem was about a Chola king. So I'm yes. curious to see what you will do with this.
4: Um Yeah, so my my assigned homework was uh the poem Patina uh, Palai. I I am going to I'm, gonna, I'm uh-huh. The pronunciation, I'm sure. It's in Tamil, uh-huh. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. and um, the section of the poem that uh, Prince gave me uh, recounts uh, this uh, Chola king who uh, was imprisoned by his enemies, and he grew uh, strong in in the cage like a t- like a tiger cub and um, made his escape, and this uh, by climbing up the high walls of the prison. And so uh, I've decided to go with a character who similarly feels caged, but in this case, you know, the cage is Uzu Asha, right? And he's seething, and he's growing strong, and he wants to uh, break out or, and, or at least, like, you know, lead his people, like, like you know, gain freedom for his people, and... Also, the imagery of this Trolley king, like escaping from prison, uh, also gave me the idea of playing a character who would also similarly scale walls and stuff. So I've also gone for a swordsman character, but mine will be more sneaky with the, like, you know, grappling hooks, like climbing high places, jumping off, um, that kind of thing. Um, and oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just what the discussion we had a few minutes ago about mangrove trees will explain why he does this, because, you know, as a kid, he used to climb up these trees and, like, you know, swing from the vines and all that kind of thing. So that's his style. And I also said that... And also this kind of thing uh, also reminded me of the game Sekiro, and the main character has a cool prosthetic arm. So I also want a cool prosthetic arm. And I think what would have happened is like so as I, as we were saying that some of the far some of the farmers would have been more stubborn and some of the landlords would have been more like inefficient in removing them and i think there was some kind of something uh, happened where there was a like uh, a protest or something like you know went out of control uh, the the heavy troops were sent in to expel the farmers and that's where he lost his arm, and like they were probably, like you know, probably as they were fleeing anyway. And having come to Uluwasha as an injured sort of man, like, he, he, we, we have established in Uluwasha that there is a character who is a smart craft engineer and uh, helps the downtrodden. So I think Miraz is where the person would have fitted him up with a prosthetic arm.
0: Oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. A good um, callback to the last say, yeah. season, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, I was person... going to say, um, not really the prosthetic arm, but you were talking about this poem about a Chula king pacing like a tiger, yeah. right? Uh, you know what lives in mangrove forests? Yes, a tiger. Mm, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did I know you that. make that
4: a thing? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was thinking the other name that came to mind was like. Uh, like I, I I'm putting share somewhere in his name, which is like Persian for lion or tiger, and you know there we have a lot of like uh share some things in Asia, right? So he could be I don't know what Share Katrisa no that does some that does roll of the tongue. I'll I'll come up with a name. I'll I'll work it in somewhere, I'll work in the tiger somewhere.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um
2: yeah. I mean, your alias can just be share. Yeah. But maybe not share because that's sounds like share.
1: Uh huh, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh.
4: He's shared us something. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I will say sorry, just briefly about prosthetics. That there was another person who explicitly like designed some incredible prosthetics uh, due to yeah. the um, interference of the temple, and I think it's uh-huh. it's like super interesting that um, for whatever reason your character has not like got her help, right? Like it's Midas who's helped her,
0: right? Yeah. I think that's that's like very interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's no reason yeah. why the Kethresi should care about the wax workers of Uduasha either. Yeah. They're old yeah. and rich, but they're yeah. also just rich,
4: so...
3: Yes. Huh? Oh, yeah. There was uh, a,
1: does this there come was a
3: up?
4: Yeah, no, this, this did come up uh, when uh, Zohab asked me, like, why not waxwork? And I think it's because my character doesn't feel any, like, connection to Uduasha. Like, it doesn't matter for him whether yeah. it's waxwork or for setting. Like, mm-hmm. whatever's available, whatever... Is mm. um you know effective, like he says going to go for that.
0: Yeah, like, exactly. I don't, I don't... Like in the previous campaign we had this theme of mod- modernization versus tradition, right? But the K3C, like your characters don't necessarily care about that. This is much more about rich and poor. Who cares if the rich are new money or old money, right? Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Let
1: let me become rich and then I can worry about people who think I'm not like old rich and right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um uh, that makes sense, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, moving on to Emma, the the day of naming was your poem.
3: The day of naming was my poem.
0: Uh huh. What do you have in mind?
3: Full of imagery of living in the forests or uh, the forests going on uh, without interference from from human hands, but also. <clears throat> beginning with the question, can the Empire acquiesce if insurrection makes the vagrant and untitled valiant? Um, so I think I'm going some to make someone who is vagrant and untitled. Uh, I'm imagining kind of roguish vigorous character, uh, a professional guest perhaps who, goes from place to place, helps around around, helps out around the house a little bit, does chores, little jobs that they're doing. Um, but in general, is is also comfortable existing in the wilderness, in uh, a kind of bushcraft style. Um, except that's what she was, because now she too has been displaced to Uduasha because, well. There's not a lot of work to be had itinerant or not um, in this new uh, in, in this new order that has arisen in Gathrys. Yep. So she has to come and live with her community where she has to fo- basically follow where they went. Um, yeah, I'm mentioning roguish, stealthy, I think where Adia's character is Prowl. Um, she is finesse where Aliad's character is Sekiro stealthy, she is more Hitman stealthy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm imagining being a professional guest, knowing how to get into places, how to exist in places that are unfamiliar to you, is a useful skill set here in Uduasha. Um, but I don't think she is entirely comfortable with uh, living in this city.
0: Yeah. And you are play. You are using the Walker playbook, which is a playbook that I designed. So I'm flattered and interested to see it in play.
3: Yeah, I'm very curious. The yeah. the abilities and stuff look very cool.
0: Fucking publish these playbooks so people can download okay, them. yes, I, I will publish these playbooks. This... Finish the book. Yes. Uh huh. session until it happens. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Very cool. So, uh, mysterious vagrant in the. In the city,
3: yes. But I want to express the 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 desire for her to already know these people quite well and yeah. to have relationships with them. Uh, yeah. Actually, I know I might take you up on being your family.
0: Okay.
2: Would you also like to be my long lost cousin?
0: Uh huh.
3: I think like...
2: something more. Something more. Uh... Something
3: more. I think uh, hmm. something close Twins.
0: To... Twins. Twins. Uh-huh. twins. How old is how old is your character, Emma? Like are we talking same yeah, generation sorry. or above it? Yeah. Topic be twins, because
1: you imagine are older they older than be,
3: nineteen. They might be the same generation. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
2: I can also add just a little bit. Like I can also I don't know, have but gone to
3: it depends because it must have been someone who was pretty established living in in uh, Yeah. so it may be that she is like a generation older as well. She can yeah. be an aunt.
0: I have a I have a suggestion for like a, a possible way to do it. Although it's a potentially grim subject, but maybe you're half siblings, and the reason the vagrant is a vagrant is you were born out of wedlock, so that's like a thing. Like you can't inherit because your parents weren't married. Then you could also be have been, you know, separated for a time.
2: Mm. I am also happy to like adjust my character a little bit because there's another version of it that's perfectly good where. I'm a little older than nineteen, but still an impetuous youth. I, I kind of like the
1: idea
0: that your characters are young, though. Like, yeah, uh,
4: yeah. 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 My my character wasn't okay. gonna be old either. I would, I would have mm-hmm. said, in fact, like probably my age. Which I mean, yeah. I don't know, if, if I mean, thirty isn't old. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not Abbas old anyway,
4: so it's a contrast
0: <laughs> to the last. It's, it, it's a massive gulf from nineteen.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm, but okay. But is- well, that's good, yeah. I think, right? Like, uh-huh. you, we have uh, the young brush one. Mm-hmm.
3: No, I'm wondering if if my character is older and she might have had a chance at inheriting before you were born, Claude.
0: Ah, yeah, that's a cool mm. thing as well. Yeah, like you know, now there's a legitimate mm. child, so now you can't inherit.
3: And it doesn't yeah. have to be the the kind of easy adversarial relationship that like immediately comes to mind. There, I'm mm-hmm. actually interested in being much more friendly than you'd expect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now there's nothing to inherit anyway, so. No,
3: doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: So you're half siblings. Do you share a yes. mother or a father? You think.
2: At least you knew and remember something that could have been in- inherited.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So do you think you are you share the same mother or the same father then? Emma, what do you think?
3: Yeah. Uh, just thinking. I, I think saying mother makes more sense.
2: Yeah, because yeah. I already played a character who had a very
0: deep relationship with his dad. And it would uh-huh. be nice to sure. see
2: a different parent. Okay.
0: Yeah, so your characters have a mother. She presumably lives in Udwasha as well then. So Yep. It's an interesting I character. Add, I will add mom as a mm-hmm. character, as
2: a yeah. contact. Yeah. <laughs> mom. We can, we, we can discuss this mom together, Eva.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very cool. Uh, let's introduce our last character before we start tying these characters together. Uh, yeah. Tree, yes. I gave you an epic poem about space and God and the meaning of life. And I'm very curious Correct. to see what you did with that.
1: So uh, it is Harry Martinson's, Martinson's Aniata, which I am like working my way through. There's a lot uh in it and um there's a lot about how to deal with realizing that what you think is happening is completely different when you actually like confront it right um and how like th- like it's about this generation ship that goes off into space and then misses uh the, the, the stuff that it was supposed to make and just keeps going right and there is a lot in it about how to f- understand uh, profound divinity, like something completely outside your experience when you were also experiencing something that like it was just like looking into the unknown and you don't know what's coming next, um, which I like. I, you also gave each of us an instrument and like my instrument was the lyre. And I just thought about like uh, the first line of uh, the Iliad, which is single muse, right? Um, and it, it was very much the same vibe of, um, something, something very big and unknowable is about to happen, and how are you going to deal with that knowledge, right? Um, so I am going to play, unlike everybody else who's decided on a playbook that already exists, I have named my playbook The Idolater, uh, because I am going to create an idol and I'm going to call it my god and this god is going to come and save us, me, itself, something, right? Um, I uh, wrote as its description a sword by the name of Delight. Uh, This is a one person in joke only for me. Um, I might go into it later, but uh, Mm -hmm. right now the reason that I'm saying this is so that when other players look at my character sheet, I'm not, like why the fuck is
2: that done? okay? So there's two I have to interrupt. There's so your items, you have a two-load two-load item called fine. Yes. A one-load item called fine. Yes. A one-load item called form 43, section seven. How fucking big is this form?
1: Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. How Maybe heavy um, are these
2: fortune-telling cards? Why do these cost load?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, uh-huh. they, do, they do cost load for a reason. Okay. Um, the, the thing that doesn't cost load is a voice for song. I haven't decided what my fine items are going to be yet, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the reason that both the form and the fortune-telling cards cost load is that my character is very old. Um, okay. And I think that, like, even, like, it's the kind of thing where it's not the load here is not just just the physical weight. It's like keeping track of it, knowing where it is. Where are my cards? They're in my pocket. And um, you, I think, like when you get to a certain age, it's easy to either have like a routine where that routine makes sure you know where everything is, or you get help, right? Mm-hmm. And my character has neither. Uh, mm-hmm. My character just. Uh, has to rely on that memory, and you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh-huh. Um, same I, for the force.
0: For some reason, now when you said my character is very old, my spontaneous idea was ah, so you're Chloe and Emma's grandmother, and their mother <laughs> is your daughter. But I don't know if so, that's the way you would have this.
1: I think, I think it is probably more distant than that. I uh, think it's yeah. probably like someone. Mm-hmm. Who is a cousin of like one of their grandparents, yeah. right? You are
0: more um, you are more an elder of the community than you are directly yes. related to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think the reason for this is that like um, I I wasn't a farmer and I wasn't like my family wasn't a family that was farming. Mm-hmm. Um, I the way that I imagine this and this is fairly common, right? Like this is a bunch of communities that kind of live together, and my family was was mostly fisher people who fished in the ocean that was, and it was easy to fish there because the mangroves kept um, the more dangerous things in the ocean from, like, coming into the shallows, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, a key reason that I am in Uduwasha is that the mangroves that belonged to my family got cut down and... um, I think, in fact, some of these mangroves got sent back to Uduwasha to make furniture out of. Um, and there is a, a kind of almost perverse um, attraction to write, oh, my God, like, this is... And like, once you kill the mangrove, it's not like it's got any of the ghost energy really in it anymore, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's just a piece of wood, but it's still a piece of wood that somebody's using as like a magnificent desk. Right. Yeah. Um. And I think that like something that my character kind of wants to do is sacrifice that in some way in the production of that god. Right. Like okay. use what yes. has been ended and the ending of that in the new thing. Um, okay.
0: So you're you're starting out with like track down some guy's writing desk. That's your, yes, the first correct. on your to do list.
1: All right. Okay, good. Yeah. Um. So I think that like uh. <laughs> One of the reasons, so I did want to play someone either very young or very old because I think the decision to be like, I'm going to build a God either comes out of like complete idealism or complete cynicism, right? Mm -hmm. It's either nothing can stop me. I'm just going to do this or literally everything that has gone wrong is going to go wrong. I'm going to do it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like my character has probably seen so much of their community, their culture, their family, just, like, been ground into fine dust. Um, and I think they, they're they also recent to Uduwasha in that the, they were still in Ketherys, and that specific, like, part of the mangroves, whatever, have very recently been cut down. And that's mm-hmm. why they've realized, that, like, I mean, there's no choice anymore. There's nothing here yeah. for you anymore. Anyway. You're to go back or, like, go forward, even, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's it's very funny. Like I literally yesterday read a book about an 85 year old woman and a six year old girl and their relationship to the sea. And when you nice. said very old or very young, very idealistic or very cynical, it evoked that a lot. So yeah, yeah. But, uh,
1: um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah. I think no, I was gonna say I think that like um, I'm not sure like of uh, their name, pronouns, look, that kind of thing. The more I speak of them, as they the more it kind of carves a groove in the mind. But that that, that's not, yep. that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like the main thing that uh, like they are in the community to do is that they are the person who kind of like remembers or like there's, there must be a community of these people, right? Like, but like they are one of the people who remembers um, and they are one of the people whose like quiet, seething anger is motivating the more able people to be like, oh, my like, they, like, like this is a living sign of what we have lost. Like even mm-hmm. now, right? So like yeah. I imagine that if Petrohi meets my character, you like that's a very immediate kind of like catalyst for um for action.
3: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah.
1: But I also think that. Uh, it's I mean like they're not like one dimensional necessarily. So like right now what they do to hang out, what, what they do as their vice is that they fish uh in the reservoir, which is the um which is where the massive river that flows through the washer kind of drains into, right? Mm-hmm. Um and there's a little jetty and they know someone there. So um and like to be honest, I could change some of the load as well. It doesn't have to be this. It's just that like I needed to type something in and I kind of zeroed in on the idea that like my character was just like it, the load was also a, a recognition of like how difficult some things are, right? Like fictionally. Yeah.
2: Um, Another idea related to that is a fine coracle.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Incredible. What a fun word. Uh,
2: yeah. What you're going to do with that? I don't know, but that's your I don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, and the last thing that I will say is that, like I have zeroed in on my uh, special ability, which is a another version of occultist. So mm-hmm. uh, Vickers, who is was Prince's character, uh, she took as a, an edited version of the base ability occultist as her last ability. And following on from that, I'm taking, again the same ability with a little change uh, for my first one. Uh, and I'm going to call it theologist. Um, which is that I know the secret ways to study the names of ancient powers, forgotten gods, or demons. Once you've studied one, you get an extra die to speak it for your own purposes. Um, mm. And what this means is that I understand that naming the god is a key step in making it. And I will, one way or another, name it into being.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um, can you study something that doesn't exist? Yes, you can.
0: Uh huh. Totally.
1: Yeah. So that's my character.
0: Excellent. Okay. Sounds good. So yeah, this is our. This has been our introduction of the characters, and I suppose we will start off next session with then nailing down the details, like a little bit about special abilities and what the crew has, and so on. What your lair is, but then we will get started on the story.
4: Oh, just one little thing, tree. When we were saying, um, I think I missed the part where we were talking about like your motivation for making the god. Like, is this a personal kind of thing that you're doing, or is it more of a uh, giving people a new symbol to rally around?
1: That's a good question. I think what it is is that. Uh, so my character is very angry, but is not necessarily purely uh, altruistic. Um, and I think that the god is about uh, something that they think if they do. Will change things. Whether that is for the better or not is not clear. Whether that is for other people or not is not clear. I okay. think that, like my character, could very well be doing this in a way where whatever happens after the God exists, that's up to the divine. That's not my job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not asking for help necessarily. Whether mm. I get help, yeah, we'll see.
2: I have an important question to follow up on this. Uh huh. You're making a new god. What yes. did the Ketrisi worship?
4: Mm. Some
3: microbes. Yeah. Anc-
4: ancestor worship?
0: Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That that but actually okay. makes the idea to make a god even cooler because you don't have a tradition of having gods. So it's just... Yeah. Yeah. You're approaching I, this out of whole cloth. I've, I've observed that in Uduwasha there were a lot of these gods. Uh-huh. Many yeah. of them...
1: No idea what these people do. Yeah. How they do it? Whether they have Actually, any it makes
0: powers? Sense. Uh, you know, yeah. we don't have our ancestors anymore. What do the Russians have? They have gods. Okay, we need a god for ourselves. <laughs>
1: yeah, but... and I will make one that's better than all of theirs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. And this is again why, like, I, I'm, I'm chasing the remnants of that, right? Can uh, mm-hmm. I imagine that, like, there are there were definitely traditions of, like, you know, that there are some. Uh, very large trees or like very large mangroves that were specifically like um, protected and thought mm-hmm. divine. You know, there's been like some some very dangerous scuffles over the threatening cutting down of some of them. Some of them have been cut down, some of them have avoided it so far, that kind of thing. But certainly one of the, you know, I think this makes sense that like one of the the one that was cut down that was very important to my character, um, that's happened very recently. And yeah. so they have come to Udwasha in order, like, chasing that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Makes sense. So, okay. Everyone else is just kind of living in Udwasha, and you are here specifically in pursuit of planks.
1: Yes. Uh, I In fact, I have now uh, just completely and totally cha- like realized uh, my character. So my character is going to be called Saida Ankatam. And mm-hmm. she will use she, their pronouns, and uh-huh. she's going to be Old. Yeah. The key thing is she's gonna be old.
2: Yeah. Aida is a risky name.
1: Oh, why do you say that?
2: Uh, because it refers to a female and, uh, descendant of the prophet.
1: Yeah, that's kind of why I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, I don't have a problem with it.
4: I mean, speaking for all Muslims worldwide, I can say that I have a problem with it. Exactly. Great. Right. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, like uh-huh. I liked that it was like very much a. Uh, like there is divinity there, right? But it is it is somewhat borrowed divinity in that it is like, like she's a descendant of the prophet. Mm-hmm. She is not the mm-hmm. prophet herself, right?
4: I feel like this character is so silly that it can't be. I mean, like the, what you're trying to do is, I, I can't imagine like anyone. Oh yeah, who's, who's gonna know? take this
1: seriously? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah, yeah. Yep. Like okay. Oh well, one more thing though. Sorry, I get uh-huh. what's what's the form for? Like what's the uh, form? What
0: was it? Yeah, why do you have why do you have a, a form? Oh, why I'm do sure. I have a form?
1: Yes, the form is very important because the form permits me uh, to go into the well. OK. Um, right. And the reason for this, I think, is that uh, my plan is when I get this wood, I'm going to burn the wood. Right. But I'm going to burn the wood in a specific way so that when that occurs, um something divine comes out
0: okay because so, we've
1: established that, the, that there is something there right
0: yeah um, so you have official permission to access the fallen star at the bottom of the well at the center yes. of how
1: great question not immediately <laughs> clear uh, uh-huh. is it a house an excess ploy perhaps Probably uh-huh. linked to whoever my best friend is going to be, right? Whoever okay. on that list is my we best
3: friend. We will find out. Yeah, you yeah. have. Like, so you like the
0: first thing you've done in Uduasha is engineer access to the fallen star in the no. well at the bottom of the city.
3: They
1: have understood that while there are a thousand gods in Uduasha, there is only one power, and that is yeah. the bureaucracy.
0: Uh-huh. Very fair. Also, so, I thought you, know. you were going to say the star, but no, it's the bureaucracy. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is the bureaucracy. <laughs> like... like Can can the star produce the god for me? Uh Yes. But Uh what's gonna
1: let me get that? The bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. So let's be real. It's the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Before we Um, all separate, I want everyone uh, to admire Adiot's character portrait.
0: Yes, it is a a magnificent character portrait.
3: (laughs) Would Uh you like to
1: describe it for the listeners at home? (laughs)
2: Yes, no. it is. Um, yes. I don't think you should.
0: <laughs> it is a uh, 3D image of a tiger face. It is a Khajiit from yes. the Elder Scrolls, is what yes. it is. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, so one of your fine items now is your fine tiger mask, clearly.
4: Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you should, use it to conceal I your identity. Yeah, <laughs> I, I. Like, no, you. I was going to do that, yeah. I was going to have a tiger mask because I want to play, like, the more I thought about this character with, like, uh, who's only known by his nickname, you know, which Uh is share something, like, I mean, he has to have a tiger mask, and Uh I couldn't find a picture of someone with, like, a Uh tiger mask. All the pictures had goofy ones, and I thought, if I was going to go for a goofy tiger-looking thing, then there's only one goofy tiger-looking thing Uh that I could go for, and...
2: yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) One thing, and you know, I have no authority here, but I must insist on this. This cannot be a fine tiger mask. It can only (laughs) be a tiger mask.
0: That's fair, actually.
4: This isn't my my final um, choice. Uh This isn't your final (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. yes, excellent. So you have a tiger mask, which is maybe based off a tiger. You like killed yourself. You're very badass. But sadly, you're not a great taxidermist, so. (laughs)
3: like the Swedish line. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Very cool. Nice. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. okay. Wonderful. See you guys mm-hmm.
0: around. Yeah, I <laughs> guess we'll, we will wrap it up here. So, uh, yeah. yeah uh, I'm excited for the next session. And oh, uh, yes. look forward to it. See you next week. Yeah, see, see you next week. week. For now, here closes the door of the House of Endings. See you next time. <laughs> Here close the doors to the House of Endings. Those who dwell within are Sohem, called Claw, Adiat, called Soap, Saumetree, called Tree, and Emma. I have been Prince, your host. Our City of Uduasha is based on Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions, with special thanks to Johnstone Metzger. Follow us on Twitter, or support us on ko-fi.com slash desperateatune. If you want to engage further with us, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash desperateatune, where you will get our newsletter, extra content, and updates from Uduasha.